when you hear your language even structure that way, you know that that's representing an either or mindset, which is often a right or wrong mindset. There's this mm-hmm. path or there's that path, but there's nothing in between. So paradoxical thinking would be to say, what if it's both and? And what if there is some value and merit in understanding the first path and there's value and merit in in equally understanding the other path and maybe even the third, by the way, I'm acting like there's just two. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it is about being able to hold that tension between Mm -hmm. different paths. Hello, this is Leanne Mallory, and I want to welcome you to Rise Leaders Radio. In addition to hosting the Rise Leaders Radio, I also am the founder of Rise Leaders, which is a leadership coaching and leadership team strategy firm. I believe that we're all here to make a positive impact in whatever system or community that we're a part of. And I use this podcast to hold conversations with leaders that I believe exemplify the ideals that I think are important. I interview authors, creators of concepts and other ideals that, again, I believe make the world a better place to live in. You just heard from Renee Moorfield in the introductory clip. And this is Renee's third time back on the podcast. And today we are going to be talking about the link between well-being and paradoxical leadership. So the ability to think and, and lead with nuance and in complex situations, which is super, super important today. And so we are going to cover three topics Renee is going to walk us through the Be Well, Lead Well Pulse model. There are six elements. And even in that walkthrough, I think that could have been an episode in and of itself. Then she's going to walk us through how well-being supports this idea or ideal of a paradoxical leadership. Then we're going to end with Renee and I brainstorming on some practices that we both believe support our individual abilities to navigate the complexities that we live in, uh, whether you take the Be Well, Lead Well Pulse assessment or not. And in fact, that's where we start. So we're going to start with Renee walking us through the model. Be sure and check out the show notes because I've got a lot of links in there, including a link to an upcoming certification. If you're interested in becoming certified in the Be Well, Lead Well Pulse Assessment, there's a link to that. And I am not affiliated with Wisdom Works or Be Well, Lead Well. So, uh, you know, that doesn't benefit me at all other than I think it would be great if more people were certified in that instrument. If you listen to this and you think you might be interested in the Be Well, Lead Well Pulse Assessment, I am certified in that. So you can reach out to me if you're interested in yourself or you're interested in your organization engaging with that model or engaging with the assessment. And you can reach out to me at rise-leaders.com forward slash contact. That's it. 
So I hope that you'll enjoy the episode today. If you stay to the end, I've got some more uh, links and information for you, but that's enough for now. Let's uh, get in with Renee. The Be Well, Lead Well Pulse Assessment is built on a framework of thriving. And the framework of thriving has 19 dimensions of well-being and stress resilience. And these 19 psychometrics feed into six dimensions. So I'll start with the dimensions themselves. In the center is thriving. And thriving is all about three psychometrics. One is called today and tomorrow. So that's the, the extent of someone's well-being today, as well as their optimism that they will be as well or better in the next five years. The second psychometric is flourishing, and that's an overall scale looking at someone's sense of happiness and competence in life, their sense of belonging and connection, their sense of feeling respected, etc. So all those just little happiness factors that are really so important in our lives. Um, the third psychometric is resilience, and that's the ability to bounce back from setbacks. So all of us deal with challenges in life. We get thrown a crisis, things change in our work, our home, etc. And what is the extent to which we can restore ourselves to the level of well-being that we were at or better? So that's that sense of resilience, our, our bouncing back. So Renee, I want to pause just a second sure. here before you go to the next one, because I'm realizing that as I'm listening to you, that I'm listening within the orientation of paradoxical thinking, and the dogs are in agreement with me here, but <laughs> that might be an invitation for everyone who's listening. As Renee goes through these elements, think about why you think they would be important to living and leading in these really complex times. And I just found myself really settling into that and thinking, well, of course, those things are important when we're living in these kinds of times. So I just wanted to interrupt. So keep going. But I just, it really struck me when you started speaking that, oh, those are important. Yeah, I'm glad you did, because that's a great assignment. I mean, to even <laughs> thinking, holding the framework in that way, number one, because the framework was built to support um, leaders and all of us and having a sense of internal resourcefulness mm. to meet our complex demands. That was the purpose of the model in the first place. So yes, to be thinking about every psychometric and every dimension that I'm speaking about in the way that how does that help me be more resourceful in dealing with paradoxes and dilemmas mm. and contradictory demands totally is a great assignment. So, so we talked about thriving, the, the dimension of thriving, the, the three psychometrics underneath it, today and tomorrow, flourishing and resilience. Um, the second dimension, and these are not in any particular order, by the way, because you can start anywhere on the framework, but the second one I'll talk about is fuel. And fuel is what most people think about when they think of traditional wellness behaviors. The way we ask about them is, to what extent do you consciously eat, move, rest, and use your breath to help you manage your stress effectively, manage your en energy effectively, and optimize your performance. So you can already see eating, moving, resting, breathing are four more psychometrics that are part of fuel. Then I'll go down to flow. Actually, I'll go across the model. I've got the mm. model in my head. I'm gonna <laughs> go to flow, sticking with some Fs. Um, flow has three psychometrics within it. One is engagement at work, which is basically to what extent do I gain energy and well-being by virtue of my work? 
Um, the second one is self-esteem at work. To what extent do I gain meaning or make a difference through my work? And mindfulness. To what extent can I be present in the moment without judging it, good or bad, right or wrong? So you can already see probably some connections. I can see mm -hmm. you smiling. I already see connections between flow as well and what it means to um, lead in paradox. Absolutely. And then I'll go down to the kind of the bottom of the model, but not the bottom of importance, because it's actually one of my favorite dimensions, and that's wonder. And wonder is all about three scales or psychometrics. One is appreciation and awe. So to what extent can I see the beauty and mystery in life without life needing to entertain me? I can actually bring an orientation to life where I can see the mystery of it and, and these kind of the interconnections. So I love that. That just inspires me. That one inspires me a lot. I know. <laughs> the second uh, scale is seeking new perspectives. To what extent am I not just tolerating differences of opinion, but I'm seeking them. I'm looking for them. I am looking for differences in thinking, thinking styles um, that are that differ from the way my, my normal groove so that I can, the third scale, learn and grow. And the third scale is learning and growing. To what extent do I mine life? Do I mine my life, my situations in life to evolve myself as a human being and evolve my capacities? And then if we go to the top of the model, there's wisdom. So this is the fifth dimension. And that one has three psychometrics in it, vision and purpose. To what extent do I have a clear vision and purpose to guide my life and work? In our tool, we are not asking, does your organization have a vision? Does your family have a vision? To what extent do you, whoever is taking the assessment, have a larger sense of purpose and direction? I think of it as almost like a navigational beacon or a north star. Some people use that metaphor. Um, and again, to me, that's so directly connected to seeing beyond paradox and, and to moving through paradox effectively. Um, the second uh, psychometric in wisdom is wholeness. To mm. what extent do I see and feel a personal integration in what can seem like conflicting factors in my own life? And this is where we're directly talking about paradoxes. Does life feel like it's all about work? It's all about play, mm -hmm. it's all about home. It's all about, I've got to do childcare. I've got to do elder care. I need to take care of myself. It's all of these forces that are pulling, feel like they can be pulling us apart. To what extent do I see how they are integrated? Mm. And then um, the third scale under wisdom is emotional capacity. To what extent can I bring a sense of lightness to the situations in life um, and we find often that most people bring a sense of real responsibility, which mm -hmm. is wonderful, but there's also that lightness and kind of playfulness and joy to bring as well. Yeah. And what I find, and even Renee, this morning, I was doing a debrief with one of the overseas leaders this morning. And we, so many of us have like had our heads down in an achievement mode and uh, using a lot of willpower to achieve things, keep ourselves on track and all of the different dimensions that does have a heaviness associated with it. And it can really rob us of our joy if that's how we're approaching life. And as I'm saying that, then it, that connects back into wonder as well. So you, uh, I just, as I speak about this model, I see all of the 
you know, connections and overlaps, like you're going through the model as if these elements are each distinct and they are, and they overlap and connect with each other as well. And that's one of the things I also love about this is you can see how these elements relate with each other. Totally, totally. I mean, the way to, because we're measuring them, we are measuring using scales that act as if things, these things are distinct. And we are measuring separate elements because when we built the tool three years ago, we did enough piloting to make sure that we took out things that were measuring the exact same thing. Mm. We don't want to be measuring overlapping things, right? Or the same thing but they are interdependent. Mm-hmm. So I think of it as if I if I could sketch the model in more of a 3D framework, it would be more of as fractals. You know, if, ah. if, like, if thriving is in the middle, then, then this is about what is the pathway in that makes sense to me in my life at this phase of my life? Um, and, and to really respect and honor that. And that might, that might differ 20 years from now, and it might be different than 20 years ago. So, Absolutely. So yes, all related for sure. The sixth dimension is thriving amplified. So it's the first time in the model that we will have asked someone, to what extent do you feel by virtue of your presence, who you are, you naturally amplify the energy of others, you naturally amplify or maximize their potential, their talent, their growth, their effectiveness at work, and you create an environment of collaboration and care at work in which other people can thrive. So it's the first time, but we're asking people to self-assess. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that about yourself? And so that's also a really um, interesting insight when people use that. It is an interesting insight. Yes. As I'm listening to you, I could go on so many different tangents, but I'm going to keep it blocked in here because we're here to talk about a particular topic. But the more of these debriefs that I do, the more insights that I have and the more connections that get made. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to refrain from my wandering spirit here. Well, you know, I will follow that one. I know, I know. And then we'll be saying, what are we talking about today? (laughs) Yeah. So thank you for that. That's a really great overview of the model and the six dimensions. And um, so we've used the term already, paradoxical leadership, dilemmas, either or thinking. Talk about, I'm curious about two things. If you could give us sort of like a definition of what that is and why that became important to you. Why did you, I mean, this, I think this is the first white paper. It is the first one we've done. You know, part of the goal for building the assessment system was absolutely to support the conscious evolution of better leadership in the world. So number one, Mm. but number two was to create a body of knowledge that could contribute to insights in the field the fields of well-being, the fields of leadership development, the fields of workplace and organizational development. And so this is the first time that the database was big enough. The tool is still pretty new. You know, we built it three years ago, started using it immediately, started certifying people in November 2019. That's only two, little over two years. Right. And the, the, the tool is about a year older than that. So now, and and everyone who's used the tool has gone on a well-being journey. So we don't use the tool in a one-off way. It's a part of some 
process. So when we, we think about the 2,000 leaders that are now in the database, that's 2,000 well-being journeys. In the bigger mm -hmm. scheme of things, for me personally, I said 2,000 leaders, you know, that's not many. We have millions, billions of people on this planet. 2,000 is just a drop in the bucket. But then I go, wait a minute, that's 2,000 well-being journeys. That's 2,000 leaders who have said, I want to, with intention, really deeply look, examine my well-being holistically and start to shift not just my behavior, but my consciousness about being an active invitation for the well-being of others. And that's pretty exciting. I mean, that, it's I, very exciting. Super yeah. exciting. So, and, and by the way, congratulations. I know that you've been super busy recently because you're getting more and more requests to certify both external and internal coaches. And when I say internal, I mean coaches that are that are uh, working specifically inside some of the organizations in the world that people listening would certainly recognize. And so you've really, I mean, just, just the demand, I think, speaks volumes about what you've created. So congratulations. Well, A little bit you. of love fest there. <laughs> Couldn't leave it out. I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for that. I mean, Leanne, you're you're definitely a part of it. And I also think it's it's all about timing as well. I think that um, the global pandemic really opened people's minds and hearts to the ways in which we've designed our systems, our societies, mm -hmm. our organizational systems, our family systems, our lives in unwell ways. And, you know, ways that we're burnt out, we're exhausted, um, we are feeling demoralized or we're languishing. That's been a popular term, mm -hmm. a very real one. We're dealing with chronic mental health issues and physical health issues globally. So, I mean, we're, we're really seeing, I think, through the, 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 the gift of the pandemic is being able to be able to see this and start to now reset with well-being as a priority. And mm -hmm. I think the organizations we're working with, um, that's why, because they really want to reset in that way. So that's, I think that's a gift. To be yeah, able. yeah. Yeah, thank you. So I know I interrupted you. We were about to start talking about paradox, but yeah. I had to say congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, so paradox, I mean, I think of a paradox as a um, contradictory demands in our lives. And we talked about that a little bit before, but those times where we feel like there are different forces pulling at us. And in the case of a paradox, it's when there's really no clear solution. There's not a simple solution for the situation. And again, I'll go to the pandemic and say, there hasn't been, we can, we can say we've got, especially in our, our own country, the USA, we've got a lot of division. Do we do this? Do we do that? And that division has create, turned into a lot of even divisiveness between mm -hmm. people. Um, I think that that often it's a matter of holding the paradox, like holding the poles without needing to react to either one, but holding them long enough so we can figure out the wisdom from each so that we can make a better decision. But a paradox itself is about these contradictory demands mm -hmm. that don't have a good solution to them. Mm -hmm. Paradoxical leadership is something that, that kind of a term that's emerged in the 
social psychology literature and the psychological literature, leadership development work to say um, that the ability to be a paradoxical thinker or a paradoxical leader is to be someone that can hold um, a both and mindset rather than either or. So when you engage in a situation, and even when I hear my own language, by the way, so this is something I'm working on myself, when I hear my own language and I hear myself say, well, it's either this or it's that, when you hear your language even structure that way, you know that that's representing an either or mindset, which is often a right or wrong mindset. There's this Mm -hmm. path or there's that path, but there's nothing in between. So, paradoxical thinking would be to say, what if it's both and? And what if there is some value and merit in understanding the first path, and there's value and merit in in equally understanding the other path, and maybe even the third, by the way, I'm acting like there's just two. (laughs) Right. Before before the the path that you're going to take emerges often it emerges you're not um, having to decide between things and it may be even some sort of uh, a blend that brings the three together who knows but it is about being able to hold that tension between Mm -hmm. different paths so that's paradoxical thinking and as you're as i'm listening here one that comes up i love the wonder element because I think of delight and all of that. And it's not just about appreciation and awe, because there's that dimension in there about seeking new perspectives. Totally. And it's worth exercising, you know, exercising our brain in that way. And holding that paradox is uncomfortable, I think. And that's why we go directly to one way or the other, because I don't know that we have built a tolerance for holding to opposing ways of thinking without coming to resolution. Mm-hmm. It's not comfortable. And so I think we just default to going one way or the other way, just so we can be somewhere. So we're not in the middle. And so that I just think that building that toleration and it's such a strong relationship to the wonder element. I, I totally agree. Um, so when we did the research itself and the the link that you'll provide for people, what we did was we pulled all the dimensions together and created um, created a meta score. So basically an overall well-being score because all six dimensions and the 19 psychometrics all um, load, for lack of a better word, on a deeper factor, and that's called psychological well-being. Hmm. So this sense of internal resourcefulness. I'm going to go back to that for a second. Huh. And so we created like a meta score and we're able to see if we pulled all of those together based on how leaders scored themselves on this assessment and how they scored themselves on another assessment, which looked at their ability to hold paradoxes and to manage to lead through paradoxes. What did we find? And we found that leaders who were um, high ex- reporting high levels of well-being and remember that includes all six dimensions together. okay so high levels of well-being were 38 percent so close to 40 percent more apt to report 
um, scoring high in their ability to lead paradoxes. 40% is significant. It is very that, significant. That's, yeah. That's kind of a big deal. And so I totally agree with you. I think wonder is one of the avenues they may have tapped into that ability mm-hmm. to, because when I think of wonder, I think of kind of the ability to transcend the situation because you are looking for others' perspectives. So you're not stuck in it. You're not, you're not stuck in the conflict. You're really looking at it and you're holding it with, huh, I wonder how this could be right. true. I wonder how this could be true. Almost with a sense of playfulness is not the right word, but experimentation, the energy mm-hmm. of play and experimentation and um, looking for value and then looking for another perspective that sort of transcends the dilemma you feel you're in. So I think wonder can be a part of it. I also think fuel. I, I, I can see the connection with all of them, but fuel, I'm gonna pull that one out specifically because if you are not feeling rested, if you are hangry. <laughs> you know, I love that term, right. And hangry, um, you are likely to be more reactive to whatever challenges and paradoxes are right in front of you. You're not going to, most of us will not think in our higher order way if we are not feeling rested, if we are not feeling fueled well, if we are not breathing well. And I mean, an avenue in is to even take a breath and to pause, even that pause alone can support all of us in engaging in paradoxical thinking more effectively. Yeah, I was going to ask you about and maybe it is the fuel element that has the mindfulness or the the breath. Well, actually, mindfulness is also part of flow. Mm-hmm. And then the breath is part of fuel. Uh, because I do think that it's maybe, I think of it as like being physiologically impossible to go from either or thinking to paradoxical thinking without taking a pause. It doesn't happen that we we go from one to the other. And I think of like from reactive to creative mm-hmm. leadership or reactive to creative ways of thinking that you don't just flip a switch and it happens. There is this sense of having to like pause, step back, get a larger perspective, wonder, ask some questions, et cetera. So I was going to ask where, where which element is the slowing down element, but it's in a, again, it's, it's in a couple of them. It's in a couple of them. And I tend to agree with you. I don't know if it's always the situation. I, I really don't. I'd have to kind of do a th- like a thought experiment myself with if you're in truly acute stress, like in danger, and that danger presented a paradox, would you be able to, mm-hmm. you know, just by the sense of kind of activation that's going on in your body, be able to... Um, navigate that well. My gut says, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. But in general, generally, I would say, yes, it really requires us to pause because like you said before, most often when we've got a problem in front of us, we want to just solve it. But a paradox is something is not a problem that can be solved easily. It really does require understanding. So, and to understand usually you have to slow down mm-hmm. and start mm-hmm. asking questions and start seeking a new perspective that maybe you weren't taking on the situation. And by the way, 
Um, I also think that often the ability to hold paradoxes doesn't come from one person. It's the value of also bringing other, like having a team and really Mm -hmm. building processes within a team where every voice can be heard, not just because they're valued and because people are valuable, but because if we're going to handle our challenges, we need to be able to walk around the challenges Mm -hmm. in a 360 way. And in a way that we really need lots of brains and lots of hearts to do it's there's not going to be one person who you know can just chart the path and everybody follow so i'm i'm thinking of a global pharma company that we're working with right now mm-hmm. and in that particular situation um there's lots of paradoxes there's lots of par- we're all dealing with lots of paradoxes but these to me are so obvious because this organization has moved from a quite hierarchical organization to one that they've they've adopted all the agile methodology mm. the agile framework the agile language language to to create more autonomy in the system and so you want a lot of autonomy but the the paradox is people want a lot of autonomy but they also want direction so you also want to know, okay, well, who's going to tell us where to go? And you know, and that's a great example. I hadn't asked you yet about what are some examples of paradoxes, but that's a great one. Autonomy, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want you want some authority, but you're you want a, you want someone to say, here's the direction we're taking. But most people also thrive on autonomy as well. In fact, you see the well-being scores go up as their autonomy scores go up. And we do measure yes. autonomy as well, job autonomy. You want autonomy. So in this organization, especially in you know 100,000 employees, so very large company all over the world, but especially in the pandemic, people are only seeing each other through Zoom, which is pretty common for all of us now. Mm-hmm. You want a sense of, uh, people are now enjoying the sense of autonomy being at home, but we also want to feel connected. We want to feel like we have a sense of we belong to each other. We belong to a team. We belong to a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. So that's another paradox. So how do you create an organization where you know if you're going to create a culture where people thrive, it has got to contain these paradoxical elements and you're using paradox to support well-being. So we often think of paradoxes as darn it, I'm in the middle of a paradox. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. There's a conundrum. Another, another learning opportunity. You know, we think of it in that way. And you know, I'm doing air quotes for learning yes. opportunity. I am air quoting it for sure. Depending on the frame, the paradox itself can support us evolving new capacities for well-being, which is what I was talking about in that particular organization. Figuring out now how yeah. do you how do we make sure both of these are tended to? It's not either or. They both need to be tended to. People need to be autonomous and they need to feel connected. And it's so much more, it's not relaxing. I think our minds, you know, that whole thing around our minds not liking an open loop. And so paradoxical thinking has a lot of open loops because the point is to kind of keep it open and not shut down possibilities. Now, at some point, you choose a direction, and that doesn't mean that the other directions are out, but at some point, you do have to converge enough to move. But we slow that process down when we're using more nuanced types of thinking. But I just, you know, I think that 
in the past, we've been able to follow more linear processes, but this type of thinking is not at all linear. I don't think anyway. Maybe I'm I'm seeing your, your a look on your face, and I'm wondering, oh, is that maybe I just said something that was too uh, finite? No, actually, I was agreeing with you. I actually had a thought of um, like 30 years ago when I was a part of the corporate strategic planning unit for mm-hmm. EDS. And that we were literally teaching strategic planning as now you put the vision in place. Now you set the <laughs> Now you do this. Now. And it's not like that. We're not throwing that out the window. Planning is a fantastic skill. We get places by planning. We, we create a vision. We put some action in place. We move toward that. I mean, that, that that's laying a plan. We do that all the time in small ways and big ways. But... To me, what you were saying is this feels more open. So a whole other way of thinking about that is, again, I'm going to go back to this organization that we're working with, is that we try experiments and we find out what emerges from the experiment. We learn through experimentation. So yes, we still have a vision and a clear purpose, but instead of having super clear strategies that are that are locked in, we're going to invest in experimentation and we're going to see what really lands, what can the system absorb and we're going to sense into and listen to the system. That system may be the team, the system may be um, the organization, the system may be customers we're serving. Mm -hmm. And that's a really different process and you're right, that is, that does feel more like an open process where we have to stay more wide open. I, even as I'm saying it, I can feel like my chest and shoulders kind of, you want to reach out and be more embracing rather than static. Yeah. It's a more dynamic process. But my sense is the truth is, I don't even know when we were doing the planning work, even 30 years ago, if people could always stick exactly to those plans. Even 30 years ago, we knew that's the environment right. is constantly changing. We were saying that then, and and we are living it. We are mm-hmm. absolutely living it 30 years later. I think now people are just more aware, yep, the environment is constantly changing. Yes. So how do we continually co-create with changes in the environment rather than think that we are just acting on uh-huh. the environment? But that's a, a real different model. Yeah, you know, as you're because you were mentioning a pharma company, and as you were talking about the experimentation and everything, I'm thinking about again the example of being in the pandemic and um, all of the upset that's taken place because, you know, why can't they figure out mask or no mask or this or that? Because people want an answer. But it's not that easy. You know, the, there's new data that's being presented all the time. And, and actually, Adam Grant has done maybe some newsletters and some posts or whatever, where it says, you know, changing your mind isn't uh, a sign of like poor leadership or being wrong. It's actually a sign of being open and that you can take in new data and come to new conclusions, the latest conclusion, which then in a few weeks, maybe proven wrong again, but it would be worse to, you know, put a stake in the ground and never move from that decision or for from that point of view, no matter what data 
other data was out there. So it, it is fascinating just hearing your example here and thinking about what's going on in the world today and, you know, all of the back and forth that's been going on. Why, why can't they make up their mind? It's because the situation is changing. The situation is changing. And, I, and you're describing to me also good science. I mean, good science is constantly saying, here is what we know right now, but what else can be true? What else can be true? And trying to discover. Good science is about discovery. And so I think what we're talking about when we talk about paradoxical leadership is not about just titled leaders changing or an organization change. It's about each one of us. Yes. Each one of us being able to engage in our own lives in ways that approach challenges with a sense of what can I learn here and how can I, how can I use this to grow and what capacity can I build versus uh, this challenge is happening to me, like being a victim of the challenge. So that links to something else I wanted to share with you because it's not in the report. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> we did a, and it kind of added some additional study on this particular group that is in the report. And we found out that those leaders who scored um, higher in well-being and reported that they were better as paradoxical leaders. So they, they could handle paradox well, navigate paradox well, and scored high in well-being. As their stress increased, because remembering we also have a stress scale. Mm -hmm. school, as their stress increased, their well-being scores got even better. Okay, that's so not what I thought you were going to say. I know. you. Would, most people think, ah, stress increases, well-being erodes. But no, this is that that's what I'm saying. This is not just about just behavior. It's about a framing, a way of, of thinking and framing the situation. These are people, my sense is that they they saw the paradox as something that they were gaining energy mm. from, they were growing from, they were gaining well-being. And so as they reported, yeah, I've got more stress, but that stress did not mean it was bad. That's another thing I, I'm hoping that we, including myself, can change in our language even about stress. So the stress response in the body is just a natural response. It's not good or bad. It's just what our body does. Yeah, yeah. To get out of bed, you need to be activated. Your body needs to activate, and that's the stress response, literally to get up and go huh. get that cup of coffee. So physiologically, that's the stress response. But the way we frame it makes all the difference. Yes. So when we frame, ah, this activation in the body as <gasps> I must be nervous about X or I must be excited. Well, which is it? <laughs> and how do you know? <laughs> Are you excited? And the framing of that makes all the difference. Yeah. So it makes sense. And again, now this is my theory about what's happening. So that was the data. But my theory about what's happening is that these are leaders that as they kind of engage, see the paradox and engage in it, they gain energy from it. As they are more stressed, they're saying, awesome, this is awesome, because we're going to learn, we're going to grow, we're going to build new capacities through this. And it's not different than if you're in some performing arts or sport, and what was required of you, you know, the Olympics are going on right now. And Every single one of those elite athletes 
had to expand and get to the next level. Totally. And, and I can imagine that as they mastered a new skill or a new technique, that then there would be another growth opportunity. So if you want to go to the Olympics, then there's more opportunity and they have to keep on looking for those. And I think at EDS, we actually called it another effing growth opportunity. <laughs> I think that I was the air quote. That. that was my air quote. <laughs> yeah, it was your air quote. So <laughs> it's like, but like you said, the, the language, the way that we positioned it as another effing growth opportunity does not set us up to think about it as a real opportunity, a real growth, a real growth opportunity, you know? And so language is so important where we put the emphasis, how we, how we relate to it. Yeah. Well, we've all got a big effing growth opportunity right now, huh? With just everything going on in the world. And we can think of it as, again, wonder and learning and growing. And I also make a strong tie, I think, Renee, to wisdom Mm -hmm. and backing up enough to see, you know, how is this relating to my overall purpose and vision? Mm -hmm. And how can this situation that I'm in actually support me in obtaining that or surpassing it, but it it supports my vision and my purpose instead of taking me away from it. You know, that seems like a really uh, useful way to frame it as well. It's a super helpful way to frame it. It's more, it's more of an opening and more of an expansion rather than a contraction. Mm -hmm. How is Mm -hmm. this supporting me and helping me? How is almost like even when you think of like if these conflicting or contradictory demands, even you think about sort of this kind of the grinding together uh-huh. conflict being sort of the this uh, energy, this heat, this friction. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's like a, um, now I'm not thinking of the word either, but it's like a, the heat, you know, the heat that's needed to, to forge metal and everything. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering, and we did not talk about this, but I just have to ask this question and maybe we can just brainstorm a little bit here, but I'm thinking about other than taking the assessment, which is a great thing to do, we're all, no matter what, no matter if we're leaders in organization or we're living life, we are faced with these contradictions, these dilemmas, these conundrums. And you just said, you know, if we can stay open mm-hmm. instead of getting contracted, I wonder if we can leave folks with the few practices that would help them as you're going through life. Here's some things that if we just did this daily, we would like get our reps in. Mm-hmm. We would build some strength and some resilience and the ability. And it doesn't have to be like a, a huge project. But are there small things that we can be doing in our daily life that really support our ability to um, face paradox. And by the way, VUCA is another word uh, term that was thrown around a lot at the beginning, volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of the situations that we're in. But it feels like that we can maybe leave people with a few practices to help navigate the territory. Yeah. I actually have given this a little bit of thought, um, but I would love to do this together because I know how good you are at um, creating practices. (laughs) I love practices. (laughs) Um, So if as a just a as a general like daily routine, so 
not when you're faced with a paradox, like you're up against it, mm-hmm. but just as a daily routine, um, a very basic mindfulness practice. And the reason I go straight there is because the heart of mindfulness is about being present in the moment without judging it as good or bad, mm. right or wrong, either or. That's just what mind. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, that's just the heart of what mindfulness is. And it doesn't have to be, it can be a seated practice that's guided. And there's many of them out there on YouTubes and uh, there's many classes and workshops. You just put in mindfulness and Google it and you'll get, you know, a thousand mm-hmm. options. But there's also simple practices as when you're brushing your teeth, noticing the brushing of your teeth, just noticing yourself brushing your teeth. When you're washing your dishes, just noticing the hot water as it runs on your hands, just noticing what it feels like to scrub the dish, just notice what the scrubber, mm. like the, 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 the grisly part feels like in your hand. Just notice how the water drips from your fingers. So all of those sensations and being very present with something in your life, whatever that is. For me, it is washing dishes. We rarely use the dishwasher and I will wash dishes. And I, that has become such a routine for me that when I wash them, it becomes this, I've done it for so many times that it becomes a practice, like just the washing of dishes mm. becomes a reminder. Oh, and, but the brushing of teeth, making the bed, putting on clothes, it can literally be anything in your life that you want to say, you know what, I am going to bring my conscious attention to this. And my intention is to be present in this moment without mm-hmm. judging it good or bad, right or wrong. Because to me, that's a gateway. Yeah, that is the practice of, of non attachment, non judgment. So that's one. When someone is up against a paradox, like you, you got, okay, I know I'm I'm feeling a big um, conflict in my life, some contradictory demands, I'm feeling a pull from work. And I'm feeling a pull from taking care of my parents, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling a pull that I need to take care of myself. And so I'm really feeling these different pulls. You know, and I would say I would add in there too, that it, we might not use the term pull. But when I'm feeling that I feel stuck. Okay, is, is it the same? Would you I, I don't necessarily sometimes I feel pulled, but sometimes I also just feel like I'm being pulled in so many different directions that all I can do is stay in one place. Yeah, you can't move. Mm-hmm. Right. right. There's yeah. No movement there. Yeah, that's perfect. So I think the act of becoming aware of that alone is without judgment. Again, this, this is that mindfulness practice now applied to the situation. That alone can create insight and possibly some movement, just becoming aware without judgment and with a lot of compassion, that alone can create some insight. Also noticing the the physical signals mm-hmm. of that. So noticing where how that lives in your body, if that hikes your shoulders up, if your teeth get start to clench, if your jaw gets tight, um, I get I get tightness across my chest. So that's where I hold a lot of stress or I get stress in my hips. So low back. So just noticing how it lives in you and noticing the physical signals you get, um, noticing language, noticing mm-hmm. what is your story or your narrative around it. So is my narrative, and you can ask yourself this, is, is my narrative, it's either this or this or this. And already 
I've put myself right in the middle mm-hmm. of or situation. What I notice in myself um, back to the language is if I fi- hear myself saying, well, the fact is, or the truth, or the truth of the matter is, I've <laughs> don't laugh at me. I'm I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm saying, here's the way it is. I've decided, and then that reifies a position that then it's almost like I'm daring someone to disagree with me right. or something. Like the fact is this, the fact of the matter. So that's you know when I hear myself saying those kinds of things, I know that I've probably probably in a paradox and I'm, I'm wanting to close it out and make a decision mm-hmm. and say, this is the way it is. And it makes sense that there's no room to move if you've already put the boundaries up. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who put these boundaries up here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to the physical sensations because I like to use the term tell, you know, like we all have tells of when we're stressed or we're feeling stuck, whatever we're in paradox, whatever those things are. And it's, you know, a high breath. It's the clenched jaws. It's all the things that you were um, mentioning. And I often say, if you don't know what your tells are, well, ask someone who lives with you. They'll know know what your tells are. That's right. Yeah. 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 So good. Um, yeah, so there's uh, a lot of awareness, awareness of, of breath, physical sensations, thoughts being present in the moment, a lot of mindfulness. Renee, is there anything else that you would add to those list of more contemplative, thoughtful type of practices that we were just speaking about here? Yeah, because I, I the, the one that hits me, Leanne, because those are, you're right, more insights. You're gaining mm-hmm. insight into something. But um, I, I do like to move. I, I actually do like to move through the paradox, you know. It's, literally it's, moving. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like, okay, I, I don't want to stay here always. So engaging it. So being able to say, and we talked about this a little before, but I think this can be a practice, looking at the different conflicts, what's in conflict, looking at those and being able to say, what is the merit here? What's the merit of this path or this point of view? What's the value? How could this be true? And let your let yourself go there a bit to really explore it and doing the same thing with the other side. Mm-hmm. How could this be true? How does this have merit? What's the gift in this? And engage in that. And then holding the paradox and asking what the gift in it is. It's something I've been doing over and over for the last two years with the pandemic mm-hmm. because I really felt myself going into a bit of a tailspin in different mm-hmm. parts when it started. And I had to continually ask myself, what is the gift in this? What are we gaining if we choose to as human beings? Because mm-hmm. it's important to me to be contributing to our evolution mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and inclusion for everybody. And for me, I could, I, I felt like, we were seeing, we are seeing so many inequities and injustices and burnout in the in the pandemic. And I could feel myself, you know, tanking underneath. Mm. And so to continually ask myself, what's the gift? What can I learn mm. in this situation? What is it calling me to step into? Mm-hmm. Those are active questions. So the others we were talking about were awareness and insight based. Yeah, more reflective and uh-huh. reflective and kind of turning the attention inward 
to notice, but now we're saying turn the attention outward. And these are about extending your energy outward into a new question, a new way of being, a new capacity. So I think those can be other practices. Yeah. And you mentioned um, moving there, and I could even imagine doing an exercise like that, actually changing your position, like sitting in one chair and saying, here's a gift, and then pretending that you're somebody else. So what if I'm a physician and have all of these different perspectives and actually change your position, go sit in a different chair, or there's that whole thinking hat exercise. Okay, now I'm going to put on my this hat, and I'm going to think about this issue from that perspective. But actually, again, moving and looking at a different part of your room. And the other thing that I would add to the movement is that when I'm feeling stuck often, or in the middle of another effing growth opportunity, (laughs) to go outside and walk but not think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do think that if we'll stop thinking about it often, that's why, you know, we have these great insights that come when we're driving or when this, we're in the shower or we're having another conversation, just letting our mind rest. We don't have to wrestle it to the ground. We can actually go out and move without this being in our mind. Yes. Yeah, our minds need to wander. I mean, that actually is active mind wandering. Yes. Where you just let your mind wander because the, we, we do that naturally. Mm-hmm. So let your mind rest. Let it do whatever it needs to do. That's right. But move the body. Really move yeah. the body. For me too, it's a hike. You know, going mm-hmm. for a walk or a hike. Then I get back and I feel refreshed. And it's like, whatever I was, the challenge I was dealing with doesn't seem as great anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, the paradox that might have been big actually is already smaller. <laughs> right. I mean, with everything we're talking about, just the act of doing it means you are not stuck. It already means you are not stuck. If you can put another thinking hat on, mm-hmm. you can move your body on a, on a walk. If you can... Mm. Um, if you can sit in another chair and take on another position, you've already shown yourself that you're not stuck. And so I think that just recognizing that as well is invaluable, actually. And you've just um, exemplified here what I think are your superpowers, which is your very generous way of looking at situations as already already on their way to healing or that you're all these things that you want to do, you're actually already doing that about every other time that we speak. When I say, I'm going to start doing it, you'll say, Leanne, you're already doing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you have a very generous way of, of looking at life and situations that I think were just like, you just exemplified that just now. Well, thank you. You're thank welcome. You. You're welcome. So thank you for this conversation here. And I want to make sure before we close out, and I'll obviously I'll put a lot of uh, stuff in the show notes, but is there one thing, Renee, that as you keep learning more about this topic and you all did this research, one thing that you'd want in, in addition that you'd want to leave us with today? The only thing that hits me, and I don't know why it, I can literally feel it in my belly, so that's where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's that often the way we frame things in the first place 
and I, I think I said this a little bit about stress, but our, the, our initial framing makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. So to even kind of check our own, how am I speaking about this situation? Because it may not be as big of a conflict as we believe it is. You know, mm -hmm. it actually may, and I love the way you just said, on its way to healing. It may be on its way to unfolding into something different or healing or working itself out without so much of our intervention. And I am totally, and Leanne, you know me, I am totally speaking to myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hearing it as me. It's like, oh yeah, I don't have to like wrestle stuff to the ground. You don't, yeah. you know, you started this whole conversation today with talking about will mm. and the, how much will and energy and efforting we put one of the, um, we put into our lives and our situations and challenges and paradoxes and all that. One of the practices that we had when I was um, doing yoga teacher training, this is like 20 years ago, but it's a practice that I remember probably as much as anything, and that was 10% less effort. Can huh. you do that pose with 10% less effort? So I was doing all the poses, and of course I want to do them to the utmost extent. <laughs> the and, the, and the person who was our trainer totally had my number. She totally saw me and saw, okay, this is an overextender. Can you do that with 10% less effort? Because if you can, then that's sustainable. Huh. It's going to support your well-being. But if you keep overextending, you're going to have joint issues. You're going to have, yeah, you're, you are literally going to physically and emotionally and mentally mm -hmm. overextend. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a path for burnout in many ways. And that was such a gift. So I think that's what I would leave uh, all of us with. Yeah. Let it be easy or Let easier. Let it be easier, you know, let mm -hmm. it be 10% less effort. I'm going to just leave it there. That's a beautiful way to end. Let it be 10% less effort. Thank you, my friend. It's been a joy to have you here again. And I look forward to our, our next conversation that I'm already teeing up in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Leanne. Oh my goodness. So much good stuff. And so great to have Renee back on the podcast again. Just want to say that I've got links in the show notes to several things, including an upcoming certification for the Be Well, Lead Well Pulse Assessment, ways to get in touch with me. And just want to encourage you as well that wherever you tune in, whether it's through a podcast platform, or now I've got the audio up on YouTube, which is actually a great way if you want to engage in this conversation, ask questions, etc. cetera. Uh, YouTube is probably the best place to do that. And that's under my channel, um, Rise Leaders, which will also be in the show notes. Wherever you listen, if you like, comment, share. It really does help get the word out. And it's my hope that you enjoyed the episode and that you're willing to do that. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you're doing really well. And remember to elevate your part of the world. Take care. <music>